I received a signal message yesterday. Uh, one of our sponsors, uh, one of our cl- uh, uh, friends, vocational uh, associates. That's a good name. Ernest asked yesterday. If I had heard about a Supreme Court case, Moore versus Harper, and I had not heard, uh, I had heard about Moore versus Harper, but I hadn't paid much mind to it. So well, he asked me what I thought about it. I said, well, let me read up on it. So I read up on it. I read a story. At, they can hear all of that. <laughs> they just, everyone just heard your, your comment through the glass. <laughs> uh, Moore versus Harper is a, a, a case that involves basically, uh, I'll say this as uh, clearly as possible the roots, or as you, <laughs> not Groots, roots, or as country folk would say, the roots. The roots. <laughs> the roots of the Constitution, U.S. Constitution and the Constitution system. Now, this is a story that 10 years ago, it's a case I could have spent, I could have spent three hours. Heck, I could probably make a documentary about it. Because the question that's going to be asked, and this is, uh, uh, I cannot imagine that the regime wants this court to answer this question. As a matter of fact, I imagine that the regime is mortified at the prospect of this court answering this question, which may be why the attempt to, to make it illegitimate and to pack it, as they call it, to, to make it pu- a public pariah, and, 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 and once that is accomplished, then to make the case that the, uh, the only way to save it is to pack it and add more demoncrats, more Satan worshipers to it. Uh, this may be why, because the Moore versus Car- Harper case, basically, is either going to... Okay. <clears throat> If decided in the favor of the state of North Carolina, it may save part of the union. Won't save the whole thing. Because the parts of the union that are going would celebrate this and would say, well, it's about time, uh, will not be joined by California, New Teenock, Teetland, all the usual suspects. So you may, if you want to secede, 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 if you want to secede, 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 this may be your boy here. You may want to start a 54-day novena here to our lady to, to intercede to, or devote 54-day devotion to intercede for you so that they decide this in favor of North Carolina. If it's decided... In favor of Harper, though. Now, this has to be one of the most confounding things of all of the the modern era, if you will, of constitutionalism. 
if there is such a thing that remains. And that is, it even says in the story at the Epic Times that groups, nonprofit groups that aren't from North Carolina brought the suit. The initial suit that the North Carolina Supreme Court and the, and the and you guys in North Carolina, how did the great Tar Heel State become so politically just, just screwed up? The Supreme, I read the decision, part of the decision from the Supreme Court of North Carolina. Uh, if they woke up in the morning and tried to get it wrong, that's what they would write. If you said, uh, how can we like destroy the remaining tatter, the, the, the fragments? The smoldering ashes of the U.S. Constitution. I know. Let's write a decision. And let's say this. That's what you would say. Moore versus Harper. <clears throat> because the legislature got it right. And then the court came along. And, and by the way, let, let, let's start at, at, at cases here, shall we? Let's go back to the beginning. So all these people that are campaigning and are always squawking about gerrymandering. Gerrymandering is the evil. Gerrymandering is the evil that is going to destroy our democracy. What is it, Maggie? This is a threat to our democracy. Gerrymandering is a threat to our democracy. Do you know where the term gerrymandering comes from? If you listen to What Lincoln Killed, episode one, then you will know the answer to this. Or if you listen to me in my formative years, if you will, 20 to 2009 to 2013 or so, you would know the answer to this. And I've made the case many, time, many times it should not be called gerrymandering. It should be called Henrymandering because it was Patrick Henry who did it first, unsuccessfully in Virginia in trying to stop little Jimmy Madison from being elected to the first Congress. Henry mandered the district that Madison, what was in Madison's re-election, uh, mandered the district that Madison was in to try and bring in enough anti-Madisonians so that Madison would not be re-elected uh, to, to his second term. Um, and so the district was redrawn. This was, in the, this was after the first Congress. So go, for, for, the ele for the elections for Congress, for the second Congress, which would have been convened in 1794, Patrick Henry was going to see to it that little Jimmy Madison's career was over. That's what he thought about him. The term gerrymandering, though, <clears throat> came from a signer of the Constitution, and, and or, uh, the, uh, the man who, I'm sorry, who refused to sign the Constitution. That's Elbridge Jerry of Taxachusetts. Elbridge Jerry also mandered or helped mander a district. Yes, and thus the term gerrymandering. So, so it, it, it's a slander against an a anti-federalist crusader. 
One of the few in New England, Elbridge Jerry. So when they say gerrymandering, if you've ever wondered where the term came from, it came from a, a statesman of the day, the, uh, the time the co Constitution went into effect, and his name was Elbridge Jerry. Uh, most people would look at his name and would call him Gary, and it's Jerry. It's Elbridge Jerry. Uh, and, and, and there were three men that refused to sign the Constitution. Uh, Edmund Randolph, we talked about this last week, George Mason of Virginia, Edmund Randolph of Virginia, and Elbridge Jerry. Um, and John Adams was livid at Elbridge Jerry because Adams wanted the, uh, he wanted the Constitution. Even though he wasn't at the convention, he desperately wanted it. So he was very, very angry. I, I, he sent Elbridge Jerry a nasty worded letter. Now, we can have conversations on another show. You guys are having your little, uh, your chat in the chat room about this. I started off the Great Northern Congress when I uh, talked to the gathering there to made the case that dividing congressional districts up or any other political apportionment up geographically is a stupid idea. It's a dumb idea. It's, it, and it's so dumb of an idea, it really needs to be brought to an end. But we'll have to do this, a discussion on that on another day. So let's get back to Moore versus Harper. So what has happened here? So the state of North Carolina redrew its congressional districts after the last census. And the districts didn't come out the way whining, crying, carping, 19th Amendment inspired women and minorities and non-governmental or, or, uh, uh, organizations, NGOs, wanted it to. Libtards, Stacey Slobram's gangs types. And so they sued. They sued the legislature, basically. They sued the state of North Carolina and said, you got to redraw these districts. They're not, it's not fair. It's not fair. And the court, basically then, the lower court, agreed with the legislature. It was then appealed to the North Carolina Supreme Court, and then the North Carolina Supreme Court uh, ruled in favor of the, or uh, ruled in favor of the plaintiff. And uh, when they ruled in favor of the plaintiff, that set the whole thing in motion that the the of the, the Moore versus Harper case today. And now the case had to be taken. Okay, the case had to be accepted. So we already know who is on what side. So Alito, Thomas, and Gorsuch said yes, they wanted to take Moore versus Harper case. Alito Thomas and Gorsuch. Now, I told the uh, Ernest when I was having a conversation with him yesterday. I told him that the uh, that the case then that the notorious ACB because of the her concurring opinion with Alito in the Dobbs case that she's already on record 
that the state legislatures do the legislating, not the courts. So in Moore versus Harper, that's what's going to happen here. So it's, 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 uh, my take on this is right now it's already four to two. I don't know where Roberts is on this, and I don't know where Kavanaugh is because Kavanaugh is all over the map. So Kavanaugh is the wild card here. But you already have four votes for Republicanism and the Constitution. Uh, now, now let's get to the nuts and bolts of the uh, of this. As I told, oh, did he? So Kavanaugh may be the 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 the, uh, the odd guy out. Now I don't know that leaving uh, the the Kavanaugh voted to leave the uh, the court decision in place means that he completely agrees with it, or maybe just didn't want to take the case. That would leave Roberts then as your swing vote if Kavanaugh is an out. Well, let me let you. Let's deal with the nuts and bolts and the and the, and the, the meat and taters of this. And I can do this in just a couple of minutes. And this may be good for all you secede, secede, secede people to hear this once again. And for those of you that may be new listeners, maybe you need to hear this for the first time. Read article. Okay, you need to read article one and article three of the Constitution, but you really don't. Let's read article seven of the U.S. Constitution. Here's what it says. So, so you can find out what, what is the, quote, ratified intent or the original intent is not even, this is one of the most, this is so easy, even a caveman could do it. Even Stacy Slobrums could figure this out. Article 7. We find the smoking gun. The ratification of the conventions of nine states shall be sufficient for the establishment of the Constitution between the states, so ratifying the same. What does that say? Does it say anything about people in it? It doesn't say anything about There's no hint outside of, the, uh, of enumeration for congressional districts by number and the preamble, which has no force of law, where you find we the people... People are not parties to the Constitution. This is a, this is a legal principle that you, uh, once you wrap your head around this, then the rest of it becomes a uh, academic process. Because you're not talking about people. Yeah, what about the Bill of Rights? That's aimed at the people. Well, no, it's actually aimed at the government. Read the Bill of Rights correctly. It's a list of things that... The new federal government, the first 10 amendments, that the new federal government can't do. Now, it does mention people, but it's telling an entity you can't do this. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, free speech, freedom of religion, etc., etc. You all know the uh, the song and dance. But it's aimed at an entity. The question here is, according to the North Carolina Supreme Court, it's the people who make all the decisions. That is not true. Now, they're trying to make it the case today, but if you're looking at the U.S. Constitution, that is a fallacy. 
course, that's where most modernists are today because they've been taught that this is uh, the, uh, the, that's the proper position. But all you have to do is read the text and have a simple understanding of what a state is and what a state isn't, and then you will understand, okay, well, then people don't, it doesn't matter what people say. So the, the Supreme Court of North Carolina basically says that it's the people, it's the people who make the decisions, and the people must be served by this congressional district alignment, and that these people, these poor, unwashed, unfed masses of people who were discriminated against in this and that and the other by the dirty, nasty legislature's uh, drawing of these congressional districts that they ultimately should, uh, should, should, determine, uh, should determine what the districts are and that the court represents the people. And so the court went to the legislature, uh, yeah, you got it wrong. We're going to fix it for you. That is not how this works. Now, that may be how the regime and uh, things that, this is a threat to our democracy. Things that are threats to their democracy, that may be how they want it to work, but that's not how it works under the Constitution. So Article 7, this is Remedial Constitutionalism 101. This is Constitution for Dummies, a yellow book with black print on it. <laughs> the ratification of the conventions of nine states shall be sufficient for the establishment of this Constitution between the states so ratifying the same. There's nothing in there about people, and that's intentional. What are the operative, okay, what are the operative terms? Number one, what are the totems, as Brother Francis would say? What, are we, what does Article 7 aim to do? Ratify the Constitution. Make it legal, make it uh, applicable. Place the ratifiers under it. Okay, who's a ratifier? Well, nine states. That's a three-quarter majority of 13 states at the time. So you need nine states, and it would only go into effect in the states that ratified it. So <clears throat> here you have states, states, states. Then it says the ratification of the convention or the conventions of nine states. Why did they say conventions? Why not just put it to a popular vote? If it's all about we the people, why not just put it and say, hey, we're going to have a giant referendum in, in Pennsylvania or whatever, and, and all you need is 51, 50 percent of the population plus one and the Constitution ratified. You know, by the way, in my book that Brian McClanahan and I put back into print, Albert Taylor Bledsoe's, Is Davis a Traitor? Uh, was there a right to, uh, uh, was there a constitutional right to secession previous to the War of 1861? Answer, yes. Uh, that's an entire three chapters in that book is about this question right here, Moore versus Harper. So this is a big case. This is as big as Dobbs. Which is why I told Ernest that I would do it on the show today because I think it's important and uh, I would like to share my knowledge that I have acquired over the last 15 years on this subject um, and that I'm quite fond of. And I, it, it's easy for me to, to relay it because I've done it so many times and I've read this stuff. I could get into really, really nitty-gritty detail, but that would just bore you to tears and then you go over and listen to Breitbart. So we're just going we're, we're, we're gonna to do the big nuts and bolts here. In the 18, late 1830s and th uh, throughout the 1840s and 1850s, 
Justice Story and Daniel Webster tried to destroy the southern states through democracy. They're the ones that made the arguments that the Constitution was a binding thing that was in perpetuity and could never be broken, and that it was a people document and not a state document. Webster was a hack. Story was just a mean, misguided, vicious man. Well, if you read, and we have it in the Founders Trading Post, as a matter of fact, I think it's on sale. Is Davis the Trader? It's perpetually on, on, on sale. Everyone should have a copy. If you're interested in this subject, you should read that book. There's uh, three chapters or so where this question that Moore versus Har Harper, that the court is going to answer, if they needed a refresher course in this, all they would need to do is read Is Davis a Traitor? The Supreme Court Justices. So Article 7 is the last article of the Constitution because it, it, it contains the implementation clause, basically. How does it go into effect? <clears throat> you know, and Taylor Bledsoe went back and got all the extant documents, and there were hundreds upon hundreds of them, of the correspondence between the ratifiers, the Federalists, and the Anti-Federalists about why the terms conventions of nine states. Why did they use the term conventions? And it's very it's important to understand to understand this because the the, the question had to be decided not by the knee jerk reactions of the hoi polloi or the vox populi. It had to be decided by reasoned, rational men who committed themselves by name in public. You see, when you go to a voting booth, you vote anonymously. Now, you can go run around and tell someone who you voted for, but the state doesn't care. You vote anonymously. Which is one of the reasons why the Voting Act doesn't work to order men's affairs. Because most of it is done anonymously. The founders knew this. And the founders said, we can't have a bunch of anonymous people going into ballot boxes and throwing pieces of paper in there. <laughs> and changing a form of government, it'll be a disaster. I order you to be quiet. All I really think is... I'm your king. Well, I didn't vote for you. You don't vote for kings. Well, how do you become king, then? The Lady of the Lake... Her arm clad in the purest shimmering Samite held aloft Excalibur from the bosom of the water, signifying by divine providence that I, Arthur, was to carry Excalibur. That is why I'm your king. <laughs> so you get to... <laughs> why did I vote for you? Well, the founding... The men that we call founding fathers knew that democracies don't work. They never worked. They, and they certainly don't last. And so they did not want the decision in any st state to be made by a bunch of people who could be swayed by bogus uh, public opinion pieces in newspapers and speeches and rhetoric and what have you here. They wanted men to go into a convention and they left it up to the states that how the conventions could be appointed, but they wanted men to go sign their lives, fortunes, and sacred honors.
Every man that voted to ratify the U.S. Constitution and the ratification conventions in the, in the, in the 13 states from 1787 to 1791 when Rhode Island was the last to, to say, Richard Barrett, Rhode Island should have said no. <laughs> you might still be the most Catholic state in the Union today. And, and, and you might still be little Rhode Island and we could have a place to flee to. They wanted men to go in these conventions, sworn in, not chunking pieces of paper into a ballot box, sworn in to do a solemn duty, and they wanted him to vote by name to ratify. We know the name of every man that was alive in 1787 all the way to 1791 that voted to ratify. That's a matter of public record, and that's the way it needed to be. Because it's a momentous decision, and the state signs off on it, okay? The state and the conventions of the states sign off on it. Not just a bunch of people that randomly wander into voting booths. Oh, Constitution, that sounds like a good idea. Will I get free stuff and stuff? This is important for you to understand for when somebody gets up in your grill and starts droning on endlessly about democracy and the right to vote. Repeal the 19th Amendment, please. And the right to vote. You should have the ammo to go like, that's a dumb idea. And here's why. Now, in some limited instances, yeah, locally, it's okay. Let's proceed, shall we? Mike Churchill here on the Crusade Channel, always on air, always online. CrusadeChannel.com. Get that book, Is Davis a Traitor? at shop.mikechurch.com and the Founders Trading Post, the all-new, and people are telling me they really love the new design of the Founders Trading Post. We're still working on it, taking inventories, tossing items out that we don't uh, carry any longer and what have you here. We never stop working for you guys, never, ever, ever. So get Is Davis a Trader, and you will understand. It's an easy read. Albert Trailer Bledsoe was a contemporary writer at the time. He wasn't an egghead. And he also has a very good, had a very good sense of humor. So we're talking about Moore versus Harper, the case that the Supreme Court has accepted. Uh, the arguments are going to be next month sometime, which means the decision will come come out in 20 after the November, well, probably after the November election. I don't know that for certain. Let's talk a little bit more about states versus people and voting. So then I told Ernest, Ernest, Let's go to Article 5 to make this case even more solid. Let's read it. The Congress, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to this Constitution or, this is very important now, or on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states shall call a convention for proposing amendments. It's, this is what an Article 5 Amendment Convention is. Which in either case shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution when ratified by the what? This is a ratification for our democracy. No, it's not. When ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states or, here it goes, you wait for it, wait for it, or by conventions, there's that word again, in three-fourths thereof, as the one or other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress. Again, people are not mentioned. They are not part of the process. The only entities in question here are the United States Congress and the legislatures or 
conventions, which would be composed of legislatures, legislators of the several states. You know, I say oftentimes that the U.S. Constitution would work in a new Christendom system if it had the God Clause in it. If it had the social uh, kingship of Christ Clause in it. So fine, it'll, it'll work. There's flaws, but you can deal with that. So the founders were, they were, they were very smart here. And you see, there's something, that, there's a current that runs through the, 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 the Constitution, which is why when I play that clip every Thursday, when Patrick Henry says, had we been told, here, let me, let me pull it up here. You know, I think I have it here. Why did they begin with we the people, Henry said. Why not we the states? Now, there was a reason why Henry said that. Here it is. This is, by the way, this is from a transcript of the Virginia Ratifying Convention. And here I would make this inquiry of those worthy characters who composed a part of the late federal convention. Sir, give me leave to demand. What right have they to say, we the people? Who authorized them to speak the language of we the people instead of we the states? States are the characteristics and the soul of a confederation. If the states be not the agents of this compact, it must be one great consolidated national government of the people of all the states. All right, that's Katie bar the door, full stop right there. That is absolutely perfectly said and accurate. Why didn't they say we the states? Now, Henry is saying this because he's looking at the other articles after the preamble. And he's going like, this doesn't make any sense. This document doesn't say anything about we the people. It says we, it says states, 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 states. So as I told Ernest, it's abundantly clear that where the Constitution refers to states, it is referring to legislatures or bodies convened by and on the authority of legislatures. We the people is a novelty introduced in the preamble. It has no force of law. It could be wiped off the text and it would have no effect whatsoever. You could cut it. Going forward, copies of the Constitution could be printed without the preamble in it and it has no bearing on it whatsoever. So it's clear you know, and this argument came up, and Trump was on the right side of this. He still is. Steve Bannon was on the one. He was advising Trump in the first months or so of the Trump presidency was right about that when he told Trump, bring back the 10th Amendment. It's not we the people. I know you like to say that, Mr. President. It's we the states. Let the states do it. Which is why Trump came out and released that document saying that he was going to start honoring the 10th Amendment, and he wanted to send things back to the states to do, and he wanted the federalities to get out of the business of doing it because they didn't belong doing it, and the Constitution didn't authorize it. So who gets to draw the congressional districts? 
The courts do not get to draw the congressional districts. If the if the Supreme Court sides with the Speaker of the House of Representing in North Car- uh, uh, North Carolina, Mr. Moore, if the court sides with Moore and they use the same jurisprudence about the states, capital S, that they used in Dobbs, folks. This is a counter-revolution. This rolls back Miranda. It rolls back Lambert. It, uh, uh, not Lambert. What's the homo case? Uh, uh, the sodomy case. It rolls back Loving. It ro- it'll roll back. It, it will roll back Obergefell. This is the one that they're horrified of. This is the one that Alito referred to when he said we should revisit those other cases. So let me tell you, look, I, I am as cynical as all of you about the longevity, the, pers- the prospective longevity of the federal union. If, if this court sides in with more on this, and I believe that they will, the libtard regime mania left is going to lose it because the rest of their little house of cards is going to tumble in the states that wish to take advantage of it. You could see a Governor DeSantis in the Florida legislature beginning. If you think that Florida, if you think Florida's on a roll now, have the, the and have the court cite the 10th Amendment, the 9th Amendment, and an Article 5, and Article 7, and an Article 1, uh, Article 4, Section 1. In Article 1, Section 2, and how the voting is supposed to go. This will drive California, Washington, Oregon out of the Union. It'll drive New York, Connecticut, here, draw a line, Pennsylvania North. It'll drive them, maybe in Virginia, out of the Union. They'll say, yeah, oh yeah, well, we want mail-in balloting and all this. And so we're not going to obey. So why don't you just go ahead and leave then? So, since a listener asked me to analyze this, see, I read my signal messages and your emails, all of them. Uh, Ernest, I hope that explains it, brother. Uh, I could go and I could do another 10, 20 minutes on this. It's not, ne- no, it's not necessary. The state legislatures determine how the votes are counted, where they are counted, and what the districts are that make up the voters. End of discussion. It doesn't matter what any previous court has ruled. I don't care about Brown versus Board of Education. I don't care about the Voting Rights Amendment, the 23rd Amendment, or whichever one it is. All that says is that state. again, it refers to states, doesn't refer to people, is that states must admit minorities in to the voting process. Doesn't say that they have to favor them, and it says you have to admit them in. Doesn't say you have to favor the other side either. So if the if if the Alito court, if the Roberts court gets more versus Harper, and they side for more, few thought the demons were howling because that paves the way for this, for any state to go. We're not enforcing Obergefell any longer. This will be a complete. This will be a complete turnaround in federal juris 
prudence and what have you. All right. 844-527-8723, our call in line telephone number. I can tell by the number of people in the chat room that are interested in this and what a smashingly boring topic I chose to open the program with. I don't care. You people that are radio listeners, you probably just love that conversation because you're not going to hear it anywhere else. And by the by, I can back all of this up. This is easy, easy peasy to back this up through the historical record. As I was telling Ernest, this isn't, this, isn't, this isn't even difficult. The only way Kavanaugh sides with those dunderheads is because he doesn't want any more assassins outside his house. Because they're going to start threatening. That's the only way. Yeah, I'm glad some of you love it in the chat room. That's why you're there, dude. <clears throat> But this actually is a kernel of hope here. Some of us wish for the day when California says, uh, yeah, we're leaving. <laughs> uh, are you guys like, uh, you're leaving the union? Uh, we're not really leaving. We're just, uh, yeah, we don't like you anymore. And we're just, yeah, we're, just, we're not going to hang out with you anymore. And we're not going to listen to you. So, because uh, we don't like you. So, yeah, um, yeah, we're not going to listen. So uh, you guys do whatever you want to do. But we're not going to do this and we're not going to do that. Illinois should and will leave, as it should. I feel sorry for you Michiganders because Michigan is by and large a very rural and very conservative state. You throw out Flint and Detroit. That thing, that sucker's not just red. Michigan is crimson. Just like our, our beloved Beemans and other, uh, another, uh, many uh, other families that we know in Pennsylvania. You guys are in the heartland of Pennsylvania. That's crimson. You throw out Pittsburgh and filthy Delphia, and most of Pennsylvania, the rest of Pennsylvania, which is 90% of it, is crimson red. Same thing with New, with New York. You take, take Manhattan Island and just give it to them. Tell Long Island to go form their own republic like Monaco. Take the rest of New York, throw out Buffalo and Albany, and it's crimson. Well, you had to get rid of Queens uh, or, or the Bronx and all that as well. This is... <clears throat> Oh, is she fired up? <laughs> Miss Cindy just called to say she was fired up. They're actually doing that, and they've recharted things, and they're sending it to Ron DeSantis and all that. Well, because you should, you should but the legislature's going to do this, which is why it's kind of important to have Nino Vitale's in the Ohio legislature, for example. So... <clears throat> I'm glad Ernest asked the question. I, uh, I am blessed to have this knowledge, and I wanted to share it with you guys, and I wanted to give you a little ray of constitutional hope. It's okay to hope for the union to survive in some form. That's okay. It's okay for us to have communal union uh, uh, relations uh, uh, amongst ourselves, but I truly be believe that the new Christendom is going to be formed by the states that take this approach and then say one step further. 